Welcome everyone to another episode of Podium Stories. Today we have a very special guest in the building. Uh, his name is Kenny Hansen. He's the founder and CEO of MentorPass, uh, MentorPass uh, premium subscription mentorship service for entrepreneurs. Uh, they'll help you match with mentors who can help you in your entrepreneurial journey. It's all virtual and they work with some of the most sought after advisors in the world. It's a great business. Uh, Kenny, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much for, for having me. I'm really excited to uh, be talking to you today. Awesome. So I know that you talked on Twitter about being a entrepreneur for years. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more just to get us some context on like what's your background before MentorPass uh, or where you're coming from in your entrepreneurial journey and if there's an inflection point where it really becomes a real business that uh, really solidifies you in that space. Yeah, so I think this st story really starts uh, when I was a teenager and growing up, my dad was actually an entrepreneur himself. He had a, a consulting business that uh, became pretty successful. And at the peak of his professional success, he um, started to have some personal challenges. He started to struggle with alcoholism and eventually him and my mom ended up breaking up. It was really challenging for me. And, um, and his business eventually was wound down over time. And, um, and so I've, growing up, I saw what entrepreneurial success looked like. Um, and, and I had a lot of comforts, a lot of luxuries growing up. And then we lost a lot of uh, that, you know, to be honest, my first car was a, a an all black Cadillac Escalade. And, uh, then that was repossessed. Right. And so for me, it created this burning desire, uh, inside of myself to one day get back to that level because I had, I had a taste of it and then it was ripped away from me. So it's like a, a kid, you give him a piece of candy, then you rip that candy away. He can never stop thinking about the candy. So for me, it's always been kind of in my DNA uh, to be an entrepreneur. My grandmother, she has a company called Hanson Services, which is a big nationwide um, elder home, uh, elder care company. And it was in my DNA. I wanted to get experience before I jumped into the entrepreneurship scene. So I ended up going into consulting for six years uh, at Accenture. I got a, a bunch of really great experience. And I always knew that eventually I wanted to go start my business. But once you get into a salaried role at a big consulting company or any type of uh, big company, it, it, it's the golden handcuffs and it becomes extremely comfortable. It becomes extremely hard to leave that salary and go to a life of uncertainty. So for my last two years at Accenture, I had this burning desire to go and build something, but I was in this fear mindset. You hear all these stories of most businesses fail and yeah. um, all of the, the, the failure stories. And so I, I had all these ideas. I had an idea for an NFT app, which is now going crazy. Yeah. And I was like, what if Kanye released a one of one or a one of 100? How, how much would each of those songs sell for? I had ideas for uh, virtual golf cafes in cities as, as real estate was becoming um, more, more scarce. Um, you know, what if you were to do virtualize a little bit, all these different ideas that I always had, and I never executed on any of them. I would just talk about ideas. And so that was really the entrepreneur thing. It was my, almost my entire life of like growing up selling Pokemon cards and all right. of these other things. And then, um, you know, after about six years and some things, you know, that will probably go into ups and downs. I finally was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I need to actually go out there and try. I, I love this. I, actually, I relate to the story because I, when I graduated from college, I applied for two jobs, like Center and Boston Consulting Group. And I interviewed for both of them. And they said no to me and I was so mad. I was like, you'll see one day. And then eventually I started the company right away, uh, which is ironic that I think it was a good thing that they didn't hire me eventually. Um, and, and then you started MentorPass, which I think one of the challenges that I was very interested in is when you're building a two-sided marketplace, right? Because you have to get the mentors and you also have to get the people, the mentees. 
Uh, so what are some of the things you've learned about building a two-sided marketplace? Do you market for the mentors first and then you go for the mentees or vice versa? How do you find that dry balance? Yeah, so what you're talking about, everyone calls it the chicken and the egg. And yeah. it's a, a typical marketplace challenge that I was unaware of until I really got into it. And then you start learning, oh my gosh, how am I going to sell mentorship if I don't have any mentors? How am I going to sell the mentors if I don't have any mentees? And it becomes this really uh, tricky thing. And so what we ended up doing is we ended up recruiting our supply side first. And we ended up getting about, uh, when we launched the first time, we probably had about 30 mentors on the platform. So at least if you wanted to sign up, there was something on there. Um, and the reason that we started with that side is because there was a lot less friction. It was a much... Uh, less difficult sell for the mentors because they don't pay anything to be on the platform. It's basically saying, um, Hey, you know, we're going to connect you with, with people that are going to pay you to teach them about what you know. Um, and then we've, we started to get some mentees on board and then it's this continuous process of going back and forth, going back and forth. And I'd say, um, one of the, the, the primary ways to think about it is, Hey, which side has more friction? And, and then f start with the one that's easier. And then when you launch, you have one. So if it's really easy to find the, the buyers, go out there, get the buyers, and then eventually you can come in and get the sellers. And so you kind of have to assess that and then make a decision from there. Nice. And there's a guy named uh, Lenny. I, can't, I can never pronounce his last name, but he, he's from Airbnb and he writes some really, a really good uh, newsletter. It's one of the top on, on Substacks. And he has some really good thoughts about constraining one side of your marketplace. I love it. Uh, were the first mentors people uh, within your network or how do you sell them on this idea of like, here, I know there's no mentees right now, but one day there will be, uh, how, how are these earlier conversations uh, happening and how did you, what, what were some of the lessons you took out of that? Yes. Yeah, so I, I left my job at Accenture about two years ago and I, I moved to Bali, Indonesia. And I, when I moved there, I knew that I wanted to start this business. Um, and part of the reason that I moved there was because Bali and a lot of these other digital nomad hubs are becoming, you know, I'd say Bali is the Mecca of online coaching today. And so I moved there knowing that I would have access to a lot of online coaches and it would be really, really great for customer development. And, um, and so I was in my co-working space. There's a life coach over there. There's a business coach over there. I was initially thinking that these Instagram gurus were the people that I wanted to have on the marketplace. And so that's how a lot of the initial uh, relationships were built were just, you know, natural networking. I eventually realized that those were the anti uh, value for mentor pass. And what we were doing, the value we were providing was by connecting people with actual operators instead of people that have just built big uh, expert brands on social media. And so it was really, really good to get in there and learn about the industry and, um, and find a couple of really high quality mentors but then eventually coming back and, and working with folks that are more in traditional startup roles in, in the US and Europe and everything like that, um, that's where we found a lot of them. And, and really the way that we've built the supply side is I've reached out to a lot of my smartest friends and I said, hey, you're a really great entrepreneur, you're a really great operator. Uh, could you introduce me to one or two other people that you think would be a good fit for this platform? And it was an organic growth of, hey, this is the smartest person I know. I asked them, who's the smartest pe person you know? And then you continue to build on it from there. I love that. Was there anything that you guys do did in terms of like validating that this was a problem uh, that you wanted to solve? Uh, so I interview a lot of entrepreneurs and honestly, I hear 50-50. Yeah, we did a ton of market research. We were super prepared. And then the other side is like, honestly, I had no idea. I just knew I had this problem that I wanted to solve and I went and jumped in. Uh, which one of the sides do you think you, you fell into for, for MentorPass? 
I'd say we, I fell more towards the validation side, but it was really organic and, and, and uh, unsophisticated validation. And so I just talked to some smart people about it, asked them if they thought it was a good idea. Um, I'd say the way that I validated it most was um, by talking to one of my mentors who uh, is, a, is still a very close mentor of mine. And I told her this idea for, um, you know, I think if you, if you uh, put a financial incentive into mentorship, it would become a lot more high quality in the, the design of the, the platform. And she immediately was like, this is an incredible idea because I get hit up 10 times a week to get uh, for, for people asking me from people asking me to mentor them. Hey, can we get coffee? Can we jump on a call? I run a big company. I don't have time for this. So for me, that was the initial validation. And then I talked to more and more people and said, hey, you have a lot of people that probably come to you and ask for advice. How do you manage all of that? And I, I slowly started to talk to people. What I've realized now is that the proper way to validate something is not to talk to people about solutions, but to talk to people about problems. And the best book on this is, in my opinion, called The Mom Test. And you, the premise is, if you ever go to your mom and you say, mom, I'm building this new platform for mentors. What do you think she's going to say? Honey, that's great. You know, everyone in the world is going to want this and everything like that. So don't tell your mom about, you know, your business. Go to people that you don't know and ask them about their problems. Hey, do you ever get hit up for advice? Yeah, about three times a week. How do you handle that? I usually just don't reply to people. Okay, how does that make you feel? You know, have you thought about different ways to solve this? And asking them about the, the, the problem understanding the texture of the problem, then see if they naturally lead you to the solution. And if so, that's really great. Otherwise you can start to pull them there and get their specific feedback on it. But don't start a, a customer development conversation by saying, hey, would you use this if I gave it, if I sold it to you? Because everyone's going to say yes, because they don't want to be a jerk. I love it. Uh, before we jump into the second half of the interview, which I want to talk about uh, mentorship more specifically, uh, I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, that MentorPass mentor is mostly bootstrapped. Uh, or, or fully bootstrapped. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you face because of it? I run, again, a, a bootstrap self-funded agency. I know uh, VC money can be very attractive. Have you considered thinking about raising uh, or are you guys happy being bootstrapped and that uh, seems like for the foreseeable future, that's where it's supposed to go? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. Um, my mental model on this has changed a lot over the past two years. Um, before I actually started building my business and I was still in, a, in the corporate world, what I knew about startups and entrepreneurship was step one, you go out there and you raise money. You want to build a business, you need money to raise, uh, you need uh, to raise money in order to build a business. And so I thought, you know, that's what I have to do first. And then as I started talking to people, my, my mentor that I mentioned before, Anne, um, she was able to enlighten me a little bit and say, that's probably not the best way to get started. You want to uh, get a little bit of progress on your own, get a little bit of validation on your own. And then if you need to go raise money, do that. Um, and so I started in the space of, Hey, I need to raise money first. When I moved to Bali, I was in a co-working group called Hackagoo, which is all indie hackers. It was about 70 people working on, uh, tech startups. And they were the, the, the purest indie hackers. Venture capital was not allowed to be said in the room. You ever talk about investors, you get kicked out of the group and it was the purest of the pure. Um, and some really incredible people that are building million dollar businesses as an individual engineer. And so then I went to this other side. I read a blog post by Sahil from Gumroad where he talked about my failure to build a billion dollar business. And I was like, hey, venture capital is the devil. Never do that stuff. And now we've started to shift back towards the middle where we recognize the value of outside investors, but we also recognize the downsides. Um, so we have raised a little bit of money from, actually our first investor was uh, 
was my mentor, Anne. Um, she's put a little bit of money into the business. And we are talking to some other folks about raising a bit more money and looking at alternatives like Pipe and, and ClearBank and um, you know potentially crowdfunding and things like that. And so we've recognized that now that we actually have a model, model that we know can scale, or we know that there's a market there to scale, um, that there's some value in doing it. I don't wanna take venture capital at this point because when you take venture capital, you set yourself up for uh, very specific outcomes that are massive. And it basically rules out anything underneath of that outcome. And like I talked about at the beginning with my personal financial history, a lot of what I'm doing today is about the impact. A lot of it is also about getting financial security for my family where we never have to think about money again. And so I, the, the scenario that always runs through my head when I think about taking venture capital for any business is could you imagine if you own 60% of a company and you get a $50 million acquisition offer and you can't accept it because you've promised a $500 million return to your investors. How is that going to make you feel? And for some people, they're like, I just want to build a billion dollar business. And that's great if you're in a place where, you know, money's not an option for you or money's not an, an issue for you. But for people that, you know, financial security is something that you're still trying to achieve. Um, I think bootstrapping and, and raising money from angels and, and other options out there like non-dilutive financing are, it's a really, really good way to go. And you'd be surprised at how many uh, unicorn founders today had a small exit before, small exit, $10 million, $20 million, you know, whatever it is, so that their, their personal financial situation is no longer an issue. Now you can swing for the fences and try to do something fun. Yeah, and a exit at 10, 20, 30 million dollars, life-changing stuff if you own a large share of that company. Plus being bootstrapped, I think gives you leverage to raise money in your own terms versus I need money to yeah. survive. Uh, so I totally get, get you on that. Uh, it seems like mentors, you know, from investing in your company to validating the, pro the product have been very impactful for you and your business. Um, what can MentorPass users do to receive the most value from MentorPass mentors? Uh, so what are some of the things that you recommend uh, your users uh, to think about when it comes to mentorship, especially in, in a virtual world? Yeah, so we've, we've designed our um, solution to, to try to make it foolproof. So if you think about Kanban, they made it and so it was like circles and you can't fit a square, uh, you know, a, a circular peg in a square hole. We've tried to do that. And so when we onboard our clients, what we do is we take them through a, a kind of bespoke consultation process where we understand the mission of the business. We understand um, the ideal customer persona. The, the fundamentals, how much revenue are you guys doing? How much are you spending on advertising? How are you acquiring your customers? Uh, the key challenges that you're dealing with, as well as the objectives that you need to achieve over the next quarter. And so once we have those objectives, that's when we're able to actually match them with mentors and say, hey, if you need to go from 25K MRR to 50K MRR 75 in this next quarter, we're gonna match you with someone that was a former CRO of a, a $10 million revenue company. We're gonna match you with, uh, a messaging mentor that's going to help you, uh, you know, improve on your messaging. And we're going to connect you with the right people. And I know the network really well, and our team knows the network really well, that we're going to make the right match that it's kind of, it kind of becomes easy. Once you get on the call, that's where you need to come prepared. You need to have your questions ready. You need to have your challenges ready. You need to get that information over to your mentor beforehand. And then you need to respect their time at the end. Uh, but, but really coming prepared, knowing what it is that you want to achieve out of it, 
getting them the information ahead of time. And when you book a call on our platform, you have to put in what's the problem that you're dealing with, what's the solution that you're trying to achieve. And then once you get in there, our mentors are really, really great. They're smart people and they're going to help you drive towards that, that goal. Um, but I'd say on Mentor Pass, we've made it kind of foolproof. If you're doing more organic uh, mentoring relationships, I'd say the biggest places where uh, people fail is that they don't set clear expectations, expectations on input and expectations on output. And we just had a, a Forbes article that went live this past weekend where uh, we talked to one of their writers about how do you successfully build an advisory board? And for me, it was a couple of things. And one of the key ones is being super clear on what you're expecting of your mentors and your advisors and being super clear on what you expect them to help you achieve. And so that would be something like, I want you to help us get to 75K in MRR. And the way that I want you to help us get there is by teaching me X, Y, or Z. Or if it's an advisor in your, on your business, you know, connecting us with X number of partnerships. But what's the input that they're going to be providing? It could be purely advice or it could be actual, actual work that they're doing, as well as what are the outcomes that you're trying to achieve? Um, and as long as they know the goal that you're trying to get to, if they're a good mentor and they're smart, they're going to help you get there in whatever way it is. Right. I have a couple of final questions, Kenny. Uh, one of them, I'm curious about how you differentiate between mentorship versus coaching. Uh, and if there is a specific reason why you guys, you know, branded as mentorship versus coaching, um, do you have any specific thoughts on that or are they yeah. similar terms? I have lots of thoughts on this. It's a, it's a question that we talk about uh, a lot. And so the way that we've broken it down is um, there's a large spectrum of people that can help you. On one end, we'll say, um, you know, on one end, we'll talk about teachers. Teachers are just going to tell you a bunch of content um, and it's not going to be custom fit to your problem. On the other hand, you have a therapist. A therapist is going to ask you a bunch of questions. They don't have any domain knowledge. They're just there to really help you work through your psychology. And then as you start to get closer to the middle, you have a, uh, an advisor on one side. An advisor is a subject matter expert that's going to give you very specific advice. And on the other side, you have a coach. A coach is someone that's going to help you develop as a, a professional. They're going to ask you a lot of questions. They're not going to give you answers. They're going to pull insights out of you. And then in the middle, you have a mentor. And that's why we consider it kind of the mecca of all of these roles is a mentor has some skill sets from advising where they actually have domain expertise. They've done something before. They know how to figure out a go-to-market strategy, but then they also have some elements of a coach where they're not just going to sit there and spit a bunch of knowledge at you. They're actually going to work with you to co-create the right solution for you. So that's how we think about it. On one side, you have an advisor. They're just going to tell you a bunch of expert advice. On the other side, you have a coach. They're going to ask you a lot of questions, help you develop as a, a professional, really developing your psychology and then you, in the middle you have a mentor that's going to do a bit of both i love that, that that's actually very clarifying uh, for me on that end uh, and then the last thing i want to ask you kenny we, we talked about um your dad and how he had addiction and he, he was just an up and down process uh, i think we both know that you know running a business can be very isolating can feel alone uh, what do you think is um the impact of mentors beyond the roi right beyond getting to like 70k MRR or whatever that looks like, more from even a mental health standpoint of having someone that fully understands you and wants to help and support you. Yeah, so I'll kind of break it out into two things. I think there's one, the, the literal mental health aspect, and then there's this uh, kind of ambiguous area of like self-actualization. And I think that mentors can have a, a, a big impact in both. And, and I think that the biggest 
impact that we can have on our clients is really delivering like personal transformation and helping you become a better, better person. And the way that we do that is really by helping you achieve results. And I think that uh, confidence and self-belief is often uh, built through action and results. And so if you're saying, Hey, I'll never become an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I can never do this. And then we help you earn $10,000. They're going to say, wow, now I'm an entrepreneur. That's going to help in, uh, transform your internal belief system. And then there's also more specific ways that you can go about that. Ask people about their, you know, what are your internal beliefs? How do we dive deeper? We have, uh, you know, mindfulness coaches and meditation coaches that can actually drop you into a state of meditation and then ask you about some of those beliefs and help you surface some of the unconscious stuff. And then on the other side, there is the mental health where um, being supported by someone that you believe in, I think is really important. And, and I, I'm a sucker for self-belief. I think uh, it's, it's really, really critical to everything that you do in life. And I think the difference between a mentor, a good mentor and somebody else is a mentor is somebody that you look up to. And probably one of the, if not the most, definitely one of the most uh, transformational moments of my life was a conversation that I was having with my mentor, Anne, where I told her about this idea for Mentor Pass. And I said, hey, I think this could you know, make such a positive impact on the world. We could connect everybody in the world with a mentor. And she got really you know, blunt with me. And she said, hey, are you going to spend the rest of your life talking about the future? Or are you going to go out there and build it? And her challenging me like that, like totally shifted something inside of me. And she also showed me in that moment that she believed that I could actually go do it instead of the 99% of people in life that are going to tell you what you can't do. When someone that's uh, in a position that you aspire to be tells you that you can get there, it's, it's, it's a, uh, an invaluable experience that can really shift somebody's life. And it, it's changed my life. I love it. Uh, Kenny, thank you so much. I think we could go for hours. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, other than the Mentor Pass website, which we'll put the link, where's the best place for our audience to reach out to you? Uh, you can reach me directly by email. Uh, you know, I'm usually pretty quick. Sometimes it takes a little bit, but Kenny at mentorpass.co. Um, I'm also on Twitter at nocodekenny. Um, and I'm on all those social media platforms at different addresses, so we can link everything. But if you want to chat, uh, feel free to shoot me an email or, or send me a DM on Twitter. Perfect. We're going to put links uh, to your social as well. Again, Kenny, it was a pleasure to have you. Yeah, great talking to you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Likewise.